and welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast, a ministry of the exchange where we are improving church effectiveness through healthy church and ministry assessments, mission trip planning, and workshops on evangelism, discipleship, church structure, and strategic planning. You can find more about our ministry, the exchange, at www dot made the exchange dot com. You can also email me at be the church dot go at gmail.com. You can email me for uh, questions or if you would like to be on the show, uh, you can email me as well and we will schedule a time to do a recording. All right. Well, I am excited for this episode, so let's get started. All right, so in this episode, we are going to be talking about the five-fold gifts that we find in Ephesians chapter 4 that Jesus gave to the church. Uh, We are going to be talking about why he gave them, the importance of them in the church, and some of the struggles that we're seeing, particularly in the North American traditional church, that I believe are a direct result of the church lacking all five of these gifts being used in the church. And so I talk about these gifts in my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, in uh, chapter 6. And I, I believe they're really important because I believe the church knows about the gifts. I do believe the church knows the gifts, but I do not believe that the church is using all of the gifts to their fullest capacity, I'll say that, because what I've begun to notice is that I think all the gifts are being used, but they're being used separately. They're being used as individual ministries. Uh, for example, you know, a lot of traditional churches, the only gifts that you really see functioning within the leadership of the church are pastor and teacher. Most evangelists and prophets end up having their own separate ministries. Some of them may begin as a ministry of a traditional church, but typically they end up offshooting, becoming a paraministry, um, and really just becoming their own separate ministry. And then uh, apostles are typically functioning as missionaries, so they're not even really close to or around the local church. And if uh, somebody with the gift of an apostle is local, they're not really being used to their fullest potential or even to what the gift is really meant for. Maybe you could consider planting a new church, but they're still planting a traditional church and they're still really being directed and led by the pastor teacher giftings. And so I want to make sure that we first of all understand what the five-fold gifts are and then understand what their roles are and then understand the importance of all five of these gifts being used in the local church. So I want to start out by reading out of Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verses 10 uh, through 16. He who descends is the very one who ascends higher than all the heavens in order to, to, to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now if that scripture is not clear enough on its own, I want to dig into some of that a little bit. So first of all, we have to look at verse 11 and understanding that Christ himself gave these gifts. These are not gifts that man has created. These are not roles that individual men have decided to step into. These are gifts that Christ gave the church. So when any church is not allowing any of these gifts to function, but typically the gifts that are not allowed to function within the church are apostles, prophets, and evangelists, we are literally denying and not accepting gifts that Christ himself gave. Now that itself is completely contradictory to what churches teach, what they believe. It doesn't make any sense. Why would a church reject gifts that Christ himself gave? And we'll get into that why here shortly. But it's also important to understand why Christ gave these gifts. And we look in verse 12. These gifts were given to equip his people... That's us, that's believers, that's the church. For works of service, so works of service meaning we actually have to do something, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Guys, we cannot expect the church to become unified and to become mature until all five of these gifts are present in the church and functioning in the church. It is literally the reason Christ gave the gifts. If Christ felt it was necessary to give gifts to the church for the church to become unified and mature, then it is extremely safe to say that they are absolutely necessary in the church. So let's look at why are they necessary? What are these gifts actually doing? Well, we can go on in verse 14, right? Verse 14 says, then we'll no longer be tossed like infants back and forth by the waves blown here and there and by every other wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in their own deceitful scheming. If we want to avoid false teachers, if we want to avoid all of this nonsense that's taking place in the world from infiltrating the church, we have to be using these gifts. Well, back up. We have to become unified and mature. And in order to do that, we have to be allowing all of these gifts to be present in the church. And then you look at local churches. You, you, look, at, you look at churches allowing you know, homosexual pastors, homosexuals to be leading the church. And I'm only using that because that's a very clear 
you know, lifestyle of sin that is visible. I'm not calling out, you know, homosexuality specifically. It's just that's a that's a simple one to point to because it is a visible outlived sin. But there are other sins too that are being allowed within the church. Adultery. You know, people who have committed adultery or are committing adultery, you know, being allowed to be in pastoral leadership or elder leadership or any sort of leadership in the church. You have people who, you know, they cuss on a regular basis. Anybody that is living into some sort of sin, we've allowed to be part of church leadership. And that's just not okay. And we have to ask them, well, why is that? Well, I, I think I can tell you why. It is because we've been neglecting the use of all five gifts within the local church. And so... We've succumbed to the world and what the world tells us. And when somebody tries to teach us through their cunningness and craftiness that, well, it's okay. You know, God's God's love means this. Well, God loves everyone. So, you know, everybody should be you know, accepted and everybody should be welcomed into the church. That's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that God does love everybody, but it does not teach that his love means the acceptance of everyone's lifestyle. It does not mean that God's love will result in everybody going to heaven. That's not what it teaches. It teaches that God's love makes it possible for everybody to go to heaven. It teaches that God's love makes it possible for those who used to live in sin to be part of the church, but nothing about God's love tells us that he just ignores sin altogether and everyone's going to be honky-dory and be able to live happily ever after. That That's not what it means, but people are trying to teach that. Why don't we reject that teaching? Well, it's because we're not allowing these five gifts to be functioning within the church, because we're not unified and we're not mature. Everything about church unity and maturity points back to the giving of these five gifts. And this is really the direction that I want to take this episode to is why are we ignoring some of these gifts? Well, first of all, it's because we are sinners. We are selfish by nature and we naturally and we naturally want to be correct. So when you have pastors and teachers leading the church, uh, what you typically find out is that evangelists, apostles, and prophets are not really all of that welcomed within the church. And if they are welcomed, it's for like a temporary time period. And what I've started to realize is that a pastor has a significantly different thought process and thought train than an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet. And an evangelist has a different thought process than a prophet and none of them are wrong this is a cultural misunderstanding that has taken place in so many different areas and i say cultural because the culture of a evangelist life is totally different than the culture of a pastor's life what we have done is we have started to view differences as being wrong and not all differences are wrong sometimes they're just different. But when we do not allow those differences that are right, just different, to function within the church, we actually limit what the church is capable of doing. And so um, just as an example, so I've recently had a conversation with a really, really good friend of mine and brother, and he is clearly a pastor. 
Uh, he used to pastor a church. He has the gift of a pastor. I do not have the gift of a pastor. I had a pastor position for about five or six months, and it did not work out. I'm not a pastor by any means. Now, I do pastor individuals in that sense because we are all called to you know, walk you know, in the service of all of the gifts to some degree at some point, but I am not naturally gifted as a pastor where my friend is. And, and what I find really interesting is almost every single time we get into a conversation, we are both talking about the same topic. We agree theologically on the same stuff, but where our differences come is in the application of the scripture, of the teaching. And this should not fear people. In fact, this should make people excited. But that's not what happens. It ends up in a disagreement, not an argument, but just a disagreement of how things should be done. Because my friend with the pastor gifting believes it should be done this way, which is from a pastoral perspective. He's looking at it from a pastor gifting perspective. And I believe it should be done this way because I'm looking at it from much more of an evangelistic perspective. But what we need to realize is that we are both correct. My friend is correct in the sense that if you are approaching this situation from a pastoral perspective, you're correct. But if we're approaching it from an evangelistic perspective, then I'm correct. And both of them are absolutely necessary because a pastor will have nobody to pastor if the evangelist doesn't evangelize. So if the evangelist is not able to function how he has been designed to function, evangelism won't take place and the pastor won't have a job to do. So he'll have to create a job to do, which never works out well in the end. And we have to understand that we have got to stop expecting everybody in the church to function the same way, to see things the same way, and to do things the same way. Now, I am not saying that truth in scripture changes. The absolute truth never changes. The principle found in scripture never changes. However, the application of that truth is going to be different based on each individual gifting. And we find that in verse 16. It says, From him the whole body joined and held together by supporting ligaments grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What that means is looking at the gifts um, from the body perspective, what we start seeing is that the hand cannot do the same thing as a foot. And if you don't believe me, next time you go shopping to the store, try walking through the store on your hands the entire time and being able to do the exact same thing you do with your hands, with your feet, throughout the store. It's not, it's not going to work. Your mouth can't smell, your ears can't see, but none of those parts are doing what they're doing in an incorrect manner. They're doing what they're doing in the manner that they have been designed to do. Now, what would happen if your brain all of a sudden started telling your eyes that they needed to stop seeing and start hearing? and your ears need to stop hearing and start walking, that sounds absolutely absurd and ridiculous, right? But that's exactly what we have done in the church with the gifts. We try to tell the evangelist that he needs to be a pastor. 
We try to tell the prophet that he just needs to be a teacher. We try to tell the apostle to, well, we just deny the fact that apostles even exist today, right? And so what we end up doing is actually squelching the beauty of uniqueness and diversity that God has created the church to be by expecting everybody to do what we expect them to do based on our own giftings. Guys, this will never work. And if you don't believe me, just take 30 seconds and look at the state of the church today. It's absolutely preposterous. It's not working. You can't deny that. So we need to come together in unity and realize that we need all of the gifts. Pastors and teachers, stop ignoring the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists. Apostles, prophets, and evangelists, stop speaking poorly of the pastors and teachers. We are all needed. I am sorry that we have treated gifts poorly. I am I am sorry that we as a church have put certain giftings out of the church and heightened other giftings as more important. And I just want to ask for forgiveness for the church as a whole on that. That is part of the devil's scheme. That is part of his plan. If he can get the gifts to fight against each other, he is succeeding in the failure of the church. And we know the church won't fail. So let's just stop making it so hard on ourselves and come together and learn from each other. And that's going to be my final point. Each of the gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, they are going to naturally walk out those giftings. But they're not only called to walk those out. We are also called to teach others who do not have that gifting what it looks like to apply some of those giftings into our own life. So the pastor needs to teach the evangelist how to pastor. The evangelist needs to teach the pastor how to evangelize. The prophet needs to teach people how to hear the word of God clearer. The apostle needs to teach people how to go out and start new ministries in new areas. And we all need to be able to learn how to do this. But we need to be willing and humble enough to learn from those with giftings opposite from us. And we need to be willing to learn and be teachable, which I think has become a major issue within the church, is many of us are not teachable. We think we are correct because we are correct in the sense of our own giftings. But we may not be correct and probably aren't correct if we are looking at it from another person's giftings. And so we need to learn how to be teachable. We need to learn that there actually can be two rights based on the environment, what is necessary in the time. And we need to learn what to utilize, what gifting to utilize. And what do we walk into in this you know, specific you know, environment? We need to learn how to do that. And if we do not have that gift, we're not going to learn naturally on our own. We need somebody else to teach us. I'm just as guilty. I need to be more willing to allow pastors to teach me how to pastor better. I struggle with that because of my gifting, because I'm very evangelistic in nature. 
and I struggle with knowing some of the proper pastor skills of how to pastor people. So I need pastors in my life to teach me how to do that. But those pastors also need evangelists as well as the other gifts to learn how to evangelize without pastoring. To kind of remove some of those pastoring tendencies to evangelize, we need to learn how to do this. So guys, let's let's come together. Let's learn how to function together with all five gifts. Let's humble ourselves and be teachable. And let's stop believing every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness by allowing all of these gifts to function within the local church. And if you don't know what your gifting is, I would challenge you just to like look at your personality type. A lot of gifts align with your personality type. There are you know, like spiritual gift tests out there that you can take. They're not 100% accurate. I'm not going to suggest any particular one, but they are pretty good at least to get an idea of what your giftings may be. But the best way to learn your gifting is to actually get out there and start practicing them. Start practicing. If you think you might have you know, the gift of an apostle, start asking the Lord to open up opportunities for you to try to start a new ministry or plant a new church and just see if that comes naturally to you. If you believe you have the gift of a prophet, start praying and asking the Lord to reveal things to you prophetically you know, and then share those with people and see if that is something that comes naturally. If you feel you have the gift of an evangelist, go out there and start sharing the gospel with people and see if that is something that comes naturally. If you believe you have the gift of a pastor, you know, start pastoring people from a shepherding perspective and see if that is something that comes naturally. If you believe you have the gift of a teacher, try to start teaching. Try to start teaching small groups, large groups. Look for opportunities to be able to teach the word and see if that is something that comes naturally. If it comes naturally, chances are that that is a gift that God has given you. And so those things that come naturally for you, those are probably your best areas to walk in because you're probably gifted in those areas. So I want to challenge you to start looking at your life, your ministry life, and start walking out in those giftings. If you don't know what they are, start testing them out. See what comes naturally to you and ask the Lord, to reveal it to you and to enhance your ability. Thank you to so much for listening to the out. Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. Don't forget, you can contact me anytime by emailing me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can also learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, by going to our website, www.madetheexchange.com. And if you have not already, don't forget to like and follow this podcast, as well as share it with your friends. Now go out and awaken the sleeping giant.